Well, good morning, church. Oh. Very glad to be up here and be with all of you this morning. Thank you, Ron, for leading the music. That was it's beautiful. <laughs> good to hear. And, uh, and Adam for that exhortation. I love the, being able to see those symbols and remember Christ on the cross. Um, so I spend at least eight hours every week in front of a group between 20 to 60 people talking to them. And for some reason, even though I've done that for the last five plus years, coming up here still makes me nervous. <laughs> so... <laughs> It doesn't go away with time necessarily, but um, I'm, I'm very glad to be sharing the message with you this morning um, and hope to be able to give you a little bit of God's word in a way that can help you to um, improve your lives uh, for the, the coming weeks and, and moving forward. So let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful morning that you've given us. Thank you for just allowing us to come together as a church to worship you for the, the, the love for you that we all share and can commune in. Thank you for your word that you've given us that we can learn from, that we can better our lives, that we can grow closer to you. Help us to take that this morning to apply it and to be able to, to learn something and, and better ourselves. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as many of you know, I read quite a bit, and I was told that I would be have, have this opportunity to preach about a year ago. So there's, there's a couple books I've read in that time, and um, you can take it as fortunate or not that I'm going to be able to share a lot of the information I've learned over that time. Um, the one that really kind of sparked something for me, a neighbor of mine shared a book on leadership and the art of leadership, and it had a very historical view of here's what leadership has looked like throughout the ages. And I thought, wow, this really is, is resonates. It's, I understand this, and it looks like nothing new is under the sun, right? As, as Solomon had said. And then I opened the Bible, and of course, it's like, well, that's God's word. And so you get so much more out of the Bible when you're reading it, when you're praying it, and, and trying to learn something in those concepts. So looking at historical leadership and literature, um, the Bible is really where we want to start, right? The Bible is going to give us that, that foundation of what it looks like. And interestingly enough, I found Romans 12.3 which doesn't at first look like a leadership verse, to be very powerful here. So it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And that doesn't just shout out leadership. But my message for you today, I'd like to be able to show you how God has made a leader in you. You are all leaders. Whether you know it or not, you might not know how that looks, but you can be leaders for those that you care about. When we look to the historical, um, first off, who are some of the great leaders in the past? Who are some leaders that you would recognize from history, Bible or otherwise? 
Abraham Lincoln. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Anyone else? George Washington. I'm sorry, Saul? Solomon, yeah, yeah. And what character traits do those leaders have? Beards. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, they all they have to have a good beard, a good solid beard. No. Um, we think of them as being charismatic. We think of them as being having some kind of virtue, some kind of selflessness, right? That they really care for the people and they care for the cause. Um, when you look at the the historical leadership people outside of the Bible, Plato, Aristotle, Cicero, Socrates, they have a basic same understanding of leadership. And here's kind of a rough definition. Leaders, through their own character, their own ability, and their own vision, inspire others to develop the best in themselves and inspire others to accomplish clear goals. And there's three Greek words that we're going to go through today, and we're going to see how this actually is in the Bible, um, that kind of take all this and put it together. So there's arete, padia, and telos. And so we really begin with the concept of know thyself. Do you know who you are? And the very first Greek word there is arete, and that means moral virtue or moral excellence. When we go to Proverbs 4.23, we see, Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. Some versions say, out of your heart is how you're going to live. That, that kind of an idea. And so we know from this that that moral virtue, that moral excellence, is really kind of what drives us to be the people that God wants us to be, to be good leaders. If we want to be a good leader to others, we need to have that moral excellence ourselves. But that first takes knowing yourself. You've got, you've got to know who you are. Um, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. Let me go back to 2 Peter 1.5. This is an interesting list. It's the start of an interesting list. And it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. The reason I wanted to point out that goodness is because that is that word, arete. That's that moral excellence, that moral virtue that we're looking for. And so right away, as we look at what it takes to develop into someone that has the character God wants us to have, we're looking for that moral excellence early on. This list is something to come back to later. But I want to tell you a little bit about Ben Franklin. In 1726, at the age of 20, Ben Franklin created a system to develop his character. He listed out 13 virtues he wanted to have. Temperance, silence, order, resolution, frugality, industry, sincerity, justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, chastity, and humility. And he said, I want to hold those, I want to have that character. I want to develop those 13 character traits. And so then he tried to improve on one of those character traits for a week. He would focus on one character trait. And the next week he would say, I'm going to work on the next one. And the next week I'd work on the next one. 
And at the end of each day, he would grade himself, and he, he was ruthless in grading himself and said, I've got to be brutally honest and say, I'm really not that chaste. I'm really not that <laughs> sincere. And, but he, he noticed over time that he kept getting better and better. And at the end of the day, he said it was all worth it. This, all this effort into improving my character made me into a much better person. But of course, I never got to be perfect in all of them. You can't get there. And he said, even if I thought I was perfect on 12 of them, I'd be so proud of myself that I wouldn't be humble. <laughs> and so I wouldn't have the humility. And so this was something that he found worthwhile. And I've, I've thought after learning this, what if we took that, that verse in 2 Peter 1.5 and, and went on there and said faith, goodness, and started looking at those different character traits that God wants us to develop and say, I'm going to just work on one this week and I'm going to try to get better day by day. And so that's the idea of arete, developing moral virtue, moral excellence. And I was, as I was saying, we need to really know who we are and where we're at. We've got to have a baseline. Who am I to begin with? In that Romans 12, 3, the middle part of that, it says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself with sober judgment. If anybody's ever watched Jimmy Fallon um, and his hashtags, you know that he's got some pretty funny things that he'll put on there. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, that's a little off. He asked viewers to send in hashtags of things where they say, I'm dumb, or oops, I didn't mean to do that kind of stuff. And so some of those I'm dumb ones where people were honest about mistakes they made. When I was a child in church, I thought people said, hey man, instead of amen. I painted the basement stairs going down. While it dried, I was stuck there for three and a half hours. <laughs> I tried using my fingers to zoom in on my yearbook picture. Yeah, went through the... <laughs> went through the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru and started speaking to the garbage can instead of the speaker. When I was little, I thought Olivia Newton-John was three different people. I once waited in line at Macy's behind a mannequin for 15 minutes thinking it was a person. I don't know, 15 minutes, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, I, I used to think Parmesan cheese was pronounced Farmer John cheese. And I put sunscreen on my four kids, but one kid came back burnt. Turns out I lathered up one kid twice. <laughs> you can see that happening, right? Here's the thing. All these people, in, the, in a little bit of humility, a little bit of, I guess it is anonymous, they really knew who they were. They knew themselves. And that's something that's tough to do over time. Um, when I'm honest with myself, I, I know that the ceiling fan that I bought to install in our house I'd like to think, oh, I could whip that out in a couple hours, so I'll just go ahead and start at 8 o'clock p.m. And no, that, I know myself. <laughs> that project is going to take me a full day, so I'm really looking at, I better start that Monday morning and then hope that I get done <laughs> in time and I, I can take breaks for lunch before it gets dark out. So knowing yourself means do you have that honest assessment of who you really are as a person and what you're really able to do and accomplish. Um, this takes me to Desmond Doss. It doesn't have to all be bad. That was the, the picture, sorry, I was off on that. Um, you may have heard of Desmond Doss before. He was a World War II hero, Medal of Honor recipient. 
He served in the Pacific side. And I want to share you a couple, just two stories from his Medal of Honor um, award that they, they read. As U.S. troops gained the summit, a heavy concentration of artillery, mortar, and machine gun fire crashed into them, inflicting approximately 75 casualties and driving the others back. Private First Class Doss refused to seek cover and remained in the fire-swept area with the many stricken, carrying all 75 casualties one by one to the edge of the escarpment and there lowering them on a rope-supported litter down the face of a cliff to friendly hands. On May 21st, in a night attack on high ground near Shuri, he remained in exposed territory while the rest of his company took over. Fearlessly risking the chance that he would be mistaken for an infiltrating Japanese and giving aid to the injured until he was himself seriously wounded in the legs by the explosion of a grenade. Rather than call another aid from cover, he cared for his own injuries and waited five hours for, before litter bearers reached him and started carrying him to cover. The trio was caught in an enemy tank attack and Private First Class Doss, seeing a more critically wounded man nearby, crawled off the litter and directed the bearers to give their first attention to the other man. Awaiting their return, he was again struck by a sniper bullet when being carried off the field by a comrade, this time suffering a compound fracture of one arm. With magnificent fortitude, he bound a rifle stock to a shattered arm as a splint and then crawled 300 yards over rough terrain to the aid station. I think he knew who he was. I think he also exuded moral excellence and moral virtue. The thing about Desmond Dost that just really gets me in the gut, he refused to kill. He was a conscientious objector. He refused to carry a weapon. Because of his personal beliefs as a Seventh-day Adventist, he decided, if I'm going to be drafted, I better be a medic. And his moral excellence allowed him to serve his country and his fellow soldiers without compromising his convictions. Desmond Doss is a, yeah, that's a great story. Um, I want to talk briefly about the Lord's Supper. Um, if you've read 1 Corinthians 11, 28, 32, I'm sure you've heard it many times over the years. It says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, we are judged in this way by the Lord. We are being disciplined, so we will not be finally condemned with the world. This, this phrasing here, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, that's that same sober judgment that we see in Romans 12. It's the, do you really know who you are? If you're honest with yourself, are you really committed to Christ? Are you really true to who you are? Do you, do you know your own faults? Um, those who turned on Christ in his final hours, do you think they thought they would turn on him? We know from Peter, at least, that he, he didn't believe he would. And because they didn't know themselves, they faced that judgment. They faced that trial of having to go through this, wow, I, I don't really know who I am. I really don't know who Christ is. And so this is 
that sober judgment and discernment that we need to work on. And of course, we can't do it alone. In Psalm 139, verse 23, we have the psalmist says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God knows that we can't do this on our own. He knows that we can't rely on ourselves for that moral excellence and rely on ourselves to even know ourselves. We've got to pray for him. God, show me where I'm being an idiot, please. That's a prayer we should be saying pretty often. George Washington, known as one of the great generals, he was commended for his moral excellence, his first virtue. One of the things he did to show that character, he turned down the opportunity to be king of the USA. The people would have easily said, you are our king as long as you're alive. And he said, no, that's not, that's not right. He was known for his prayer life. Soldiers would come by his tent and they'd find him on his knees in prayer. This is Valley Forge, where a witness said, I tied my horse to a sapling and went quietly into the woods. And to my astonishment, I saw the great George Washington on his knees, alone with his sword on his side and his cocked hat on the other. He has, was at prayer to the God of the armies, beseeching to interpose with his divine aid, as it was ye crisis and the cause of the country, of humanity, and of the world. When we look to the great leaders that are successful, we can look just in the Bible and look in Kings and we can see which leaders were successful and which ones had trouble when they bent their knees and they prayed and cried out to God. They found victory. When they tried to do it on their own, we know that they tended to fail. Padilla is our next Greek word, and this is actually moral education and discipline. This is how we go about getting that moral excellence, that moral virtue. Hebrews 12, 7, and 8. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you are in isn't punishment. It's training. That training is the word pitya. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? I don't think I would. <laughs> that Padilla is the training that we need. And we can get it the easy way or the hard way, right? 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That stay alert is interesting because this is that same sober judgment that we found earlier. If you have sober judgment, if you know where you're at, if you know what your weaknesses are, then you're going to be ready to face the devil. There's this thing, this concept that I love, that I've been working on myself, and of course it is a constant battle. It's, it's called integrity in the moment of choice. It's in that moment when you've got to choose between right and wrong, which way do you go? And when you're in that moment, I know I'm saying arete. Anybody know French? Arete is the French word for stop. And it's the Greek word for moral excellence. And so now in that integrity in the moment of choice, I think stop 
What's the impact if I take to sin? What's the impact if I go that route? And what's the impact if I make the right choice? And I seek the moral excellence and the moral virtue. And I can't say that I'm 100%, so I don't think anybody can. But it's nice to have that moment where you pause and think. The, the last Greek word is in vision and faith, when we look at that. Uh, telos is the last word, and it's our ultimate goal, aim, our vision. This is one of those that just blew me away when I opened the Bible, and I, I heard this Greek word, and then I was like, okay, let's look at Romans 12, 3. It says, you must decide what you really are by the amount of faith God has given you. Tell us we have is the ultimate vision God has given us for what we can become. This is his vision, and we need faith to see it. The Jesuit priest, Anthony DeMillo, tells the story of the chicken and chickens and an eagle. A man found an eagle's egg and put it in a nest of a barnyard hen. The eaglet hatched with a brood of chicks and grew up with them. All his life, the eagle did what the barnyard chicks did. Thinking he was a barnyard chicken, he scratched the earth for worms and insects. He clucked and cackled, and he would thrash his wings and fly a few feet in the air. Years passed, and the eagle grew very old. One day, he saw a magnificent bird above him in the cloudless sky. It glided in graceful majesty among the powerful wind currents with scarcely a beat on his strong golden wings. The old eagle looked up in awe. Who's that? he asked. That's the eagle, the king of the birds, said his neighbor. He belongs to the sky. We belong to the earth. We're chickens. So the eagle lived and died a chicken, for that's what he thought he was. Here's my challenge for you today, and maybe you can take this and, and leave the rest. Just one question. Are you or are you not created in the image of God? If you believe we are created in the image of God, that we are God's children, then we shouldn't be acting like chickens. If you've ever heard the old Peter principle, it states, people tend to the rise of tend to rise to the level of their incompetence. It's often said around workplaces where you're like, yep, he hit his Peter principle. That's why he's incompetent at his job. Seth Godin reframes that a little bit, and he says, people rise to the level at which they become paralyzed with fear. What fear is holding you back? What fear is it that you need to be praying for, to God and better understanding yourself so that you can be the son of God, the daughter of God that he's created you to be? This takes us to the godly you. I did find that word tell us, tell us in the Bible in 1 Timothy 1 5. It says, The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's the goal. The goal of this command is love. Um, I don't know if you've heard this from Bob Goff, if you've listened to any of his stuff. He, he says that his ultimate goal in life now is to become love. And when you hear him say it, it's like, what does that even mean? How do you become love? And yet here it is. The goal of this command is love. The ultimate goal, your vision, your purpose is to be love. When we are born again, 
we've got version 2.0. And then we sin and we got to repent. And now we're on version 2.1 and then 2.2, 2.3. We keep needing these upgrades, don't we? And so we need to grow in our relationship with God to get to version 4.0. We need to continually move towards God and start loving people to get to version 5.0. It's that, that end vision of becoming love, of having that ultimate vision that's going to get us going on the journey. Sarah recently shared a business concept with me from doTERRA. It's, um, Diamond is like the top level in the business and are one of the top levels. And so that's something that people aspire to. They want to get to this diamond level. And they've got the concept called the diamond you. And it's a pretty simple idea. It's if you want to be a diamond, if you want to be in that position, you've got to stop and ask yourself, am I acting like the person that I want to be? Am I the diamond me? Am I, are you the diamond you? So if we think of this in a biblical way, what if we acted like God was our best friend? What if we acted like love, like that vision? When you set your mind to how you want to be remembered when you die, what keeps you from being that person right now? The final concept today really takes us further into the Romans 12 passage. It's leading others. The whole point of leading is to be able to lead others, to serve others. Um, it's the concept of the first being last, as Jesus taught. If we go back to the text, uh, we can look at Romans 12, and we see that it moves into roles and gifts. You also find the passage in 1 Corinthians that's uh, in the questions today that goes into this as well. Let me read in Romans 12, 4 through 8. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. And this six through eight is where I really love the way it's put in the message. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. If you're, oh no, I lost myself. If you give encouraging, if you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to the people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Maybe it doesn't sound like leadership, but this is it. When we follow God's vision for our lives, it's going to look different for each of us. We're each going to be serving people in different ways. And we've got some guidance here on how we can better serve each other in those different ways where God has gifted us. Only God knows all. Um, in the early 1500s, 
there's a battle that was going on that's still going on today. Uh, the question was, is there a place for nudity in art? Michelangelo was a great artist at the time, and he saw the human body as a beautiful creation to honor. And the Pope at the time asked him, why did you paint and sculpt nudes? His response, I want to see people as God sees them. The Pope's response, Michelangelo, you're not God. I really like that story because it reminds us that none of us is God. None of us knows and sees everything the way God sees and knows everything. And we can't expect to be there. And so the way that we're going to get to where we can better know God and better live out the lives that God wants to leave is to be around other people that are different than us, that have different gifts than us, that serve differently than us. Because we can't be God on our own, and we shouldn't try. We need other people. We need to learn from others. Um, a top poker player recently shared how she was able to quickly rise to the top. And my disclaimer, this isn't meant to condone gambling and say in this story. But in observing several games of poker, she learned how typical players respond to winning and losing. And she said poker was a great opportunity to learn because it's very short response time. You, you have a game that you play, there's an end result, you know what the result is, and so you either learned this worked or it didn't work. But she said most players look at gambling and poker as when I win, I did so awesome. I really, that trick I tried really worked. I'm really great at bluffing. I'm really great at this or that. And when they lost, that was bad luck. That was awful luck. How did that happen? Well, guess what? It can't be both. It can't be both luck and your skills. Maybe it can be a combination of the two, but we tend to have this what's called confirmation bias, where we just see what we want to see. We believe what we want to believe. And it's just like kids in school. You can't pass a test because you studied really hard and you worked really hard to pass that test. And then blame the teacher when you fail the test. It's not my fault. The teacher doesn't like me. You know? um, it's not my fault. If I was rich, I wouldn't have this problem. You, know, you, you can't just blame other people when things don't go your way and take all the credit when you have success. The poker player figured out the best approach to learn was to learn from every game that she played, to learn from every person at the table. She said, when I go to a table, I assume that each one of those people knows something and does something better than me. And because then, then it's my job to figure out what it is. And so now I learn every time. I learn what other people do better than me. What if we took that into our lives? What if we took that into the church and said, each one of you here has something that you can teach me. Each one of you here is closer to God in a way that I'm not close to God. And my job now is to figure that out. What is it about your relationship with God that I don't have that I need to understand from you? God has planted amazing gifts and wisdom in each of you. And what would happen if we just followed that path to better understanding God? A path filled with the work of God and others. There's a lot of concepts in here today. And hopefully you get that in conclusion. Really you need 
if you want to lead, you need to follow. We need to be great followers if we want to be great leaders. We need to develop that virtual, moral virtue, that arete, through moral training, the padilla. And we move forward with faith in God's vision for us, the telos, that tells us who we can be. And finally, we finish by following the leadership of God and those who have been gifted by God differently than us. All right. Thank you very much for your attention this morning. Um, it's a challenging thing, isn't it? To be able to say, I've got to work on myself. I've got to be a better me. I've got to have that vision of where I want to be. But really the good news is that we've got great leaders all among us. And just learn, looking around during our singing, I was thinking there's so much that I could learn from all of you in this room. Um, love to hear the message that each one of you could bring to me. Um, guess we need to do a little bit more hospitality. Got that planned for next week. So what we got for the rest of the day, we do have questions. They're here. So we'll, uh, in just a moment here after we pray, we'll take five minutes. I don't know if we've got the counter on the screen. We'll do a five-minute kind of break intermission to let us get our stuff together, get our circles put together. We'll have some group leaders to go through those questions and then, of course, Sunday school going on. Uh, we don't have evening service tonight. Um, this is with Memorial Day weekend. We want you to be able to spend time with your families and uh, spend time remembering those who have sacrificed their lives for us, for our freedom in this country. So, um, very good. Any last thoughts, announcements that I'm missing? Okay. All right, I'll go ahead and pray for those of us. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful morning you've given us today. Thank you for allowing me to share this message. And just please be with each of us today and the rest of this week as we spend time together that we'll be able to grow and learn from each other in the ways that you have blessed each of us. Help us to serve you well. Help us to develop the character that we need. Bless us with a good rest of this day as we go to our classes and move on from there. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.